At the beginning of the session, uh, I honestly didn't know if we were going to make it to day 45. And uh, I'm really glad we did. Uh, this group collectively has done some incredible work, uh, come together to do some hard things uh, under very unusual and difficult circumstances. The 2021 general session of the Utah legislature is over. Like we said last week, it was a very strange 45 days. I'm Sonia Hudson. And I'm Emily Means. This is 45 Days. We promised you an episode where we break down all the stuff lawmakers did over the past month and a half or so. We're going to follow up on the six different policy areas we had episodes about during the legislative session. Just like House Speaker Brad Wilson, who you just heard talking on the last night of the session, We also were not so sure that we would make it through the end of the session, but we did it. We're here. We're on the other side. And the legislature passed more than 500 bills. That's a lot of bills. It is. But the most that they've ever passed was 573 bills back in 2019. In addition to all those bills, they managed to have a little fun, too. One of the many antics after Speaker Wilson officially adjourned the legislature was this song that lawmakers performed on the House floor. If you didn't catch that, they were saying, Speaker, can we please go home? And that was about midnight on Friday. So really what they should have done was just gone home instead of singing that song. Sonia, let's revisit six topics from the podcast this session. Do you think we should count up or count down? I think we should count up. And we definitely have to start with COVID because not only were there several bills that addressed the COVID pandemic, it was also kind of just a cloud hanging over the session and impacted just the way that they did their business. One of the major bills that addressed the pandemic was the quote unquote pandemic endgame bill. And what that does is it ends the statewide mask mandate on April 10th but it does allow individual counties to institute their own mask mandates. But that decision has to come from the county legislative body. So that's county councils and county commissions, not from the health department. The other thing that it does is that it ends all statewide emergency orders related to the pandemic when certain thresholds with like case counts, hospitalization, that kind of thing, when those thresholds are met or by July 1st, whichever one comes first. Governor Spencer Cox says that he is going to sign that bill because by April 10th, all Utahns he expects will be eligible for the vaccine, which I should mention doesn't mean that everyone will have it. It's going to take a long time to finish all of that last group of people, but everyone will technically be eligible by that time if all goes according to plan. But he says, you know, the most vulnerable people like older folks, people with some underlying conditions already have access to it right now. We now have vaccine eligibility for everybody that has a risk factor above one, everyone over the age of 50 and in the underlying comorbidities. And the reason that matters is if if we can get those people protected, then um, the restrictions don't matter as much. But there are some people that are concerned this is too soon. Like, let's get the cases down before we do this. The State Department of Health hasn't commented on it yet. They're waiting for Governor Cox to sign the bill. So not quite sure where they stand, 
But in the state's most populous county, Salt Lake County, they are considering keeping theirs. So we'll be keeping an eye on that. Number two, education. The legislature added $475 million in education funding this session, which lawmakers were excited about, but educators were also pretty excited about. They were stoked. (laughs) They were stoked. More money in education is always a good thing, understandably, for educators. That includes a 6% increase in the weighted pupil unit, which is a big chunk of per-pupil spending. It also includes $1,500 bonuses for teachers for weathering the pandemic. Really like a thank you for all the work they've done over the year. What about that tension around local control between school districts and the legislature? Where did all that land? Yeah, we had been talking with Heidi Matthews about that in our episode on education. And you'll remember that a good example of this tension was the in-person prioritization bill, which basically was intended to push Salt Lake City School District into in-person classes. But after many, many changes throughout the session, the bill landed on requiring colleges to offer at least 75% of their classes in person. And it would also try to keep K through 12 students in school by testing them during an outbreak and requiring only those who test positive to stay home. If they tested negative, they could still come to school. Number three, housing. During our episode on affordable housing, we focused a lot on a bill that would make it easier to build accessory dwelling units. Those are things like basement apartments, or they're often referred to as mother-in-law apartments. Park City Mayor Andy Bierman was not a fan of this bill because it inserts the legislature into local land use authority. It's frustrating for us when the legislature tries to come up with one-size-fits-all roles that they overlay across the state because every community has slightly different needs. The bill was amended to get to a place where the Utah League of Cities and Towns was actually neutral on it, so the bill did end up passing. The legislature also put $50 million into affordable housing and homelessness, and that comes with a new statewide homeless governance structure. So this bill that passed created a homeless council and a homeless services officer. And the idea behind that is to help streamline and coordinate services and funding for homelessness throughout the state. Number four is mental health. One of the bills that we talked about in this episode was a piece of legislation that would majorly increase the mobile crisis outreach team network. And these teams are made up of clinical social workers and therapists who go out to people that are having mental health emergencies and try to stabilize them wherever they are. This is an alternative to what happens a lot of the times, which is they send a really expensive ambulance or the cops get sent. And Police officers are not trained therapists. They don't have the same expertise to deal with mental health crises. So this bill would have cost $4.2 million. And you can tell by the verb tense that I'm using, it did not pass. 
One of the other pieces of legislation we talked about was a bill that allows students to take mental health days from school. So if you needed a mental health day, that would be an excused absence. And that bill passed. There is also a new suicide prevention fund that comes from permit fees that are collected from concealed carry permits. This was created as part of a bill that did away with the requirement to get concealed carry permits. It's now a voluntary program. So some of the money that is collected from those permit fees that people enter into voluntarily is going to the suicide prevention fund. Number five, police reform. I would say the general theme for bills that passed related to police reform this session is data collection and police training. Also, nothing passed if there wasn't buy-in from law enforcement. We mentioned in the podcast episode about police reform some bills from Democratic Representative Angela Romero One in particular would require police agencies to collect data on use of force. And that bill sailed through the legislature. There was hardly a nay vote in sight. Romero's other bill about training to respond to mental health crises passed. So, Sonia, you mentioned that police aren't always equipped to deal with that. And this bill would help address that issue. What did not pass this year? Things that didn't pass were bills that I would consider as pushing the envelope a little bit more, like Democratic Representative Brian King's Qualified Immunity Bill. And really quickly, qualified immunity is this legal principle that protects police from being sued. This bill didn't even get a hearing. Like, it was not something that our Republican-led legislature was interested in. Another thing that was kind of tied to the protest from last year was this bill that would enhance penalties for people arrested for rioting. It would also give some legal protections to drivers who hit or killed a protester if the driver feared for their life during a protest. And that bill ended up failing in the last week of the session, although it did pass the full Senate. Our sixth and final category is the budget. The legislature ended up passing a $23 billion budget this year, which is a full $2 billion more than they originally anticipated at the beginning of the session. Some highlights from that, there is a billion dollars going to infrastructure. This was actually cut in half because of some concern about how much money we would have to borrow through bonding in order to make that happen. So now we're bonding just $264 million. Just pocket change in the grand scheme of our $23 billion budget. Totally. As we mentioned earlier, there is $475 million in new education funding. And another big push for the legislature in terms of the budget were tax cuts. We ended up spending $100 million on tax cuts in three major areas. One is a bill that passed that says that Social Security income cannot be taxed as income. Second one brings back part of the dependent exemption. So that's exemption for children that you have. That was cut through the Trump tax cuts back in 2017. 
And the third bucket is military retirement pay now cannot be taxed as income. Emily, do you remember on our education episode when you made Utah Education Association President Heidi Matthews and our education reporter John Reed do a creative exercise to sum up the session? Yeah, and they did a great job. Well, I think it's only fair for us to play the same game. You know, I knew this would come back to haunt me. (laughs) But luckily, Sonia, I came prepared. I have brought you Two haikus. Two? How did I get so lucky? Right? (laughs) You're welcome. Let me read you the first one that I think sums up my main takeaway from the session. All right. Few masks were worn there. COVID clouding everything. Endgame now in sight? (laughs) That was beautiful. That was beautiful. Yeah. What do you got? Here's what I got. Here's what I got. This is about the last night of the session and that endgame bill. Late night bill drama to find a COVID endgame. Masks go away soon. That'll do it. A plus, Sonia Hudson. (laughs) I also wrote a haiku to sum up our experience this session, if I may. Please. The legislature, long days, much coffee drinking, do, 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 end. Is that the sound of the bells in the house chamber? Yes, you know it is. (laughs) That does it for this season of 45 Days. I'm Emily Means. And I'm Sonia Hudson. The show was edited by Caroline Ballard and produced by Roddy Nickpour. Chelsea Naughton is our digital editor. Trisha Bobita is KUER's podcast manager. Our news director is Elaine Clark, and the station manager is Joel Meyer. 45 Days is a production of KUER. And we want to say thank you so much to everyone who has been following this podcast for coming along on this very wild ride of a session with us. You can keep up with us by signing up for our newsletter on 45days.org. That's the number, 45days.org. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye. Legislature. I don't know. Did you? (laughs) Legislature. The legislature. From KUER.